Hey guys, let's talk about <laughs> let's talk about the West playoffs, and then I guess maybe like a couple minutes on the Nets Celtics game that happened today. Um, the the Suns were perfect tonight. They played a perfect game. I think they only had like four or five turnovers. So and the Lakers had like fifth. I think like seventeen turnovers. I don't remember exactly, but that's like the difference that they had. So you know the Suns had like. 12 to 15 more possessions than the Lakers. Uh, they, they, they beat their... I don't... Like, they whooped them. That was an ass-whooping right there. Um, they got down big early in the second quarter. Campaign came in, 14 quick points, game over right there because the Lakers couldn't score at all. Dennis had an awful game. I don't know what kind of money he's going to get. He's cost himself a ton of money. If the Lakers get bounced early on Thursday, no AD. Um, and with the turnovers, that's one thing that's a staple of, like, Chris Paul teams. They just don't turn the ball over that much. So, like, they're always going to win the possession game. And they're always going to get a shot up because he's so prolific in the mid-range. Him and Devin Booker. So, like, no matter what, they're going to get, like, a, a shot up instead of a turnover. So, like, that's huge for them. Um, you know, they just played a perfect game. They're, they're, like, their defense was amazing. They were making the right reads and switches. Uh, Dennis, I, I think I'm I, – I said this in the beginning of the season. Like you, like, you can go back to my old podcast and listen to this. Like, some of my early ones, and I talked about how I was excited for this Lakers team because when they got Dennis and Montrez, I was like, oh, they're going to bring those two off the bench and they're just going to wreck everything and give you, you know, 35 to 40 points off the bench. And then reports started coming out where Dennis was like, no, no, no. I demand to be a starter. I don't want to do that sixth man shit anymore, even though I was playing 30 plus fucking minutes off the bench. I don't care. I need to be a starter. I need that, you know. Uh, sentimental shit so that was when I heard that I was like oh shit I don't like this I don't like where this is heading and you know I used to talk about on the podcast all the time where I think this is something that might actually cost them playoff games like I don't I didn't think it was going to hurt them in the regular season and it didn't but in the playoffs I did think it was going to cost them so when you put because when you put Dennis out there that means you're Dennis isn't a good shooter, a good three-point shooter. His jump shot's way too slow for him to be a good three-point shooter because it gets to him, he gets set up. It takes forever, and, like, the defender's already there by then. Uh, you know, last year it was LeBron at that Dennis spot, and then it was KCP, another shooter. Now it's Dennis, not a shooter, LeBron, who's who can shoot, and then KCP. And I just don't like the way that's set up. It's just not enough shooting out there. If it was LeBron who can shoot, KCP who can shoot kind of, he's streaky play, he can shoot, he's like 40%. And then you had another good shooter out there. Now that spacing, even with two bigs, is much better. Right now, it's just awful. Right now, they have to win specifically by playing dominant on defense. And without AD there against a great opponent, it's just hard to do. And with Dennis, of course, playing like garbage. Um... For the Suns, though, you know, great win. Uh, Devin had a big game, killed it from the mid range. He's been, like, he's been, like I said, like 
Dennis and CP, like, they can just get to that mid-range spot anytime they want. And it's usually a good shot. Like, they get to, like, that 12 to 15-foot range, and it's just money. They, they're always going to get a good shot at the at any possession, especially at the end of games because you're not always going to get to the line. And, like, three-pointers are better throughout the game, but at the end of the game when you just need a jump shot, they have a shot they can go to that they make at 48 to 50%. So, you know, good for them, good win for them. They have to go back to L.A. now and uh, take care of business. Uh, AD in the, like the, what's it called, pregame, they showed uh, clips of him, and he did not look good. He did not look like he was ready to go at all, and I don't know. I don't think one and a half days is really going to solve it. So... You know, we'll see. The Lakers are just going to have to be dominant on defense and spread the floor some more. Drummond Drummond cannot play. They have to get probably probably Mark out there. And um, LeBron has to play the four. And go with something like Dennis, Caruso, KCP, Braun, Mark. I think that's I think that's the lineup you have to go. That's dynamic on defense and on offense. It's a lot more spacing. And I think you have to play tail in some minutes. Like he just you have to play those you have to play tail in some minutes when LeBron's not on the court because he can initiate offense and he can get to the paint. That's what they're struggling with. Getting to the paint. Finishing in the paint. I don't understand how you play a guy like twenty minutes per game in the regular season, now in the playoffs he just He's just done. Like, he's getting no minutes. I think that's strange. Like, he should at least be getting some minutes, like 8 to 10, just so he can get in the paint and create for others. You know, they don't, like, Dennis can't, for some reason, get to the paint consistently. You know, THT is like 6'4", strong. He can finish in the paint. He can get in the paint relentlessly. So I think they have to do that. Um, I don't know about the Lakers offseason. Like, I kept hearing about if they don't win, they're going to get a third guy. And people kept assuming that means a star. You're not getting a star with the assets that they have. You're just not. I think what they mean is just a third guy, like a a top 40 player in the league. You know what I mean? Something like that. Like, I think they could probably get a Kemba Walker. You know, like a sign-and-trade Kemba and Kuzma for Dennis. I think that's a pretty good trade for both teams. Um, who else could they get? Or, like, just get, like, a knockdown shooter. Like, I don't know why they didn't go all-in for a Joe Harris or something like that. Who's another, like, just, like, another top 30 to 40 player in the league? I think that's what they need. And they can definitely, they definitely have assets for that. Dennis, sign-and-trade, Kuzma, THT. Unless they're banking on THT coming back next year and becoming, like, a really, like, a much better three-point shooter so, like, you can actually have him on the court with LeBron a lot more. But, you know, I'd still trust the Lakers next season to be a contender. You know, elite, they were the number one defensive team in the league. LeBron and AD missed 30-plus games, and, you know, they still had a pretty decent record even with all of that. And, um... One thing I heard was Andre, like, I was listening to Windhorse and them. Windhorse? Windhorse? I don't know how to say his name properly, I guess. Windhorse. I know it has a T at the end, right? 
It's Windhorst. But I don't know if people pronounce the T at the end. What is it? Brian. Brian Win. Yeah, it's Horst. But I don't think people pronounce the T. I think I think they say Brian Win Horst. I'm gonna have to really pay attention next time. Alright, but he said or maybe it was Dave McMiniman, I can't remember. It was I think it was one of those I think it was probably Dave McMiniman. That Andre Drummond is going to be part of the future and I, I read that I heard that and I was like that's one of the most insane things I've ever heard there's no way Andre Drummond can be part of the Lakers future no way at all that's one of the dumbest things I've ever heard and he better not be I'm, I'm serious he better not be part of their future uh, he provides absolutely nothing for them if anything they have to, they have to look at but I think they have Mark for next year, so just be like, okay, Mark, you're going to be our starting center, play 20 minutes. You know, Harold, you come off the bench, you're, you're still with us, you play 20 minutes. And then the playoffs, we're going to just put ADS center as much as we can. I think that's probably the way this should go. Um, but for the Sun side, you know, I'm, like I've said this before, I'm glad for Cameron Payne. Like, I'm happy that he's actually like a good rotation player now. He's like a good, he's probably one of the best six men. It's like him, Monty Morris. Uh, who else is a good backup point guard, actually? Let me go through the little. Let me go through this real quick. Like an actual really good backup point guard. Derek Rose, but he's really a starter, so that doesn't count. Lou Will, I don't really trust him, so I'm not going to say that. I think Goron next year, he's going to like, officially just be a backup point guard he's obviously probably the best um who uh tj mcconnell he's really good uh Devontae graham's really good uh let's see who else utah who's utah's backup they don't really have a backup point guard they use clarkson more of a shooter i guess they use ingles as a point guard but he's not they don't really have a backup point guard i guess Clippers with Rondo. Rondo's been really good. Rondo can make jump shots now. Like, he's actually, like, a good three-point shooter now. Like, if you leave him open, of course, he, he's going to knock that down. Uh, Dallas with Jalen Brunson, he's really good. So, like, what my point is Cameron Payne's up there as, like, a really good backup point guard now. And I'm happy for him. Like, he's making threes. He can finish inside. He's kind of shifty. Uh, he plays hard on defense. He talks a lot of shit out there. So, you know, good for him. Um... All right, let's, t- let's get to the next series. Let's talk about Clippers, Dallas. You know, it looked like it was going to be a... In game three, Dallas got up by like 20. And this is what I fucking hate. Like, I've talked about this so many times. I don't understand why star players cannot play 40-plus minutes anymore. I just don't get it. I do not get it. So they were up, I think, 30 to 11. And, you know, they take Luka out because that's like his normal rest time. Then they bring him back to, like, beat up on the other team's benches. But as soon as that lead gets down to, from, like, 19 to 12, no, man, you bring Luka the fuck back in. Or you keep Luka in, you bury them. But instead, they take him out. He only ends up playing, like, 38 minutes or something. It's fucking insane. I fucking hate it. Like, you got to play your star players that many minutes. You have to play those. You have to play Luka 44 minutes. And aside from that, like, Kawhi's just been 
he doesn't even feel real right now. Like the things he's doing, like the numbers he's putting up, they don't even feel real. Um, he sh- he's had like a eighty percent true shooting. Paul George attacking the rim relentlessly, talking about they they don't have rim protectors. Then Porzingis is over there like, what do you mean I don't rim protector? I'm seven three. It's like no, you can't protect the rim. You fucking stink. Porzingis, I don't think there's very few players whose stock has dropped as much as Porzingis. Because he doesn't do, like, if he's not making his threes, like, what does he do? He doesn't roll to the rim. He likes popping out to the three too much. He's not a good post-up player. All he does is a fadeaway. And his fadeaway is not good if he's taking from 15 feet. He's got to take it from, like, 7, 8 feet. And it's not like he's going to do, like, a drop step and, you know, uh, dunk it over someone. So I don't really know what his value is. Like, I think the Mavericks... If they come into the next season with the same team again and they don't put everything on the table for a star or, like, another all-star type player, I don't know why Luka would stay. Like, I don't, I don't know why he should stay because they're not doing enough. Like, he has to tell them or maybe he, yeah, maybe he has to go to them and be like, yo, I need someone. I need someone. Please. Please help. Please. Um... For the Clippers, you know, they went really small for game four. In game five, they still played pretty big, but then they went small eventually. And that's really hurting them with the switch. That's really hurting the Mavericks with the switches because Kawhi and PG, they're like, okay, when that screen comes, we're going over this time. We're not switching yet recklessly. And if they switch everything, they can close out on shooters. And like I said, Prozingis can't do anything with mismatches. Like, they they, the Clippers are banking on their, the Mavericks' big guys not being able to take advantage of our small lineups. And they're right. Like, Przingis can't do it. Um, so my only thing would be I think Luka has to play more one-on-one. I think he has to be more aggressive getting to the paint and finishing. And the other thing is, like, the Mavericks missed a lot of good shots that they made in game one and two. Um, and that was going to happen. Like, sometimes you just have those games where you miss those wide-open shots. It just happened. So, Luka's kind of injured, but from what I heard, he's going to be better for Game 5. So, if he's, like, 90, 95%, I trust him to, like, at least have a good competitive game. And if, what's his name, Rick Carlisle is is that guy, he should have a game plan. You know, this is going to be another year where... It doesn't feel like they have a real good game plan. And, you know, I'm, like, I don't think he's ever going to get... I don't think Rick Carlisle is ever going to get fired regardless of how many times his team loses in the playoffs. And I guess that's because he's already got a championship, probably why. But it is interesting, like, you're going to keep you have a top five six seven player in the league and you keep losing and now you're about to lose a series where you were up 2-0 that's not a good look um aside from that you know i'm happy for paul george i'll say that i'm happy for paul george uh you know people talked a lot of shit about him i talked a lot of shit about him and he's come out and he's saying fuck you all and i like that even though i don't think he's been shooting that well really but I like the fact that he's getting to the rim relentlessly. Um, Rondo's been really good. Like I said, I think his jump shot's so much... He, his jump shot's incredibly improved. 
he actually like makes them when he, if he if you leave him open and you still think it's the old Rondo, the thing is he's too confident for that. He he's way too confident to ever be like no, I can't make the shot. He will make the shot. He's worked on it, and he will make it at like a thirty five to thirty seven percent clip. Um, the other thing with the Clippers is that Serge Ibaka is still out. You know he was their big uh, acquisition, aside from Rondo, I guess. But Rondo was like a trade, so in the offseason, Serge was their big acquisition. He's been injured, so I wonder how they're going to implement him into the game and what kind of minutes he's going to get, especially if he's not healthy. Like, I don't think you can play him. Uh, 75% Serge out there, I don't think really helps the Clippers at all. Uh, other than that, I've been pretty impressed with the Clippers' defense. I think they're... You know, when they got down 30 to 11, I was like, all right, here we go. Bunch of quitters. Uh, their energy level was so low. And then when they took Luca out, I was upset at Rick Carlisle. And then when it got down to, like, 10 points, I was like, oh, God. I was wrong. You know, I was wrong about this. I was wrong about the... No, I wasn't really wrong about... I was wrong about it in the moment. I think I did pick the Clippers to win the series. So I'm not really wrong about that. I guess I was wrong about saying they were quitters because they're not quitters. Like they 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 worked hard, and I think they they're probably happy with with where they're at in the series now. I do wonder, however, if their home crowd is really going to help them because they don't really have a home crowd. You know, I was watching the Brooklyn Celtics game today and. Brooklyn showed up like they it was it it felt like they actually Brooklyn actually has like fans I don't think they have a lot of fans but the fans that they do have they showed up with the Clippers I don't ever hear let's go Clippers you know big Clipper chance I never hear that for some reason so I I wonder how much playing at home really helps them I'm really not sure I'm I'm really not but you know if the Clippers get by they're going to have to play the Utah Jazz, which is the next series I'm about to talk about right now. And I think that's going to be a monster in the West. So let me start off by... I want to talk about the Memphis Grizzlies first because I love what they're doing with Ja. Ja's just been a monster. He's getting to the paint constantly. You know, he's taking the shots. He's just not making the open threes yet. And he's going to get better at that. I, I, I think he's going to get better at it. I hope he does anyways, because if he can get to like 36, 37% consistently from three, that's a game changer. Uh, But the thing I love is when he scored those 47 points, he played like 43 minutes in that game. They got down 20 and he was like, no, I'm going to play the whole third quarter. I'm going to play much of the fourth quarter. And, you know, we're just not going to lose like that. And then in game three, uh, the 121-111, you know, he played 40 minutes, had 28-3-7. You know, that was a game, what's the name? Uh, Fuck. Uh, Fuck, I'm forgetting who it was. Oh, that was the Mike Conley game. That's that's who I wanted to give credit. Mike Conley's been playing amazing basketball he looks inspired he's making the threes coming off those screens and he looks confident in making them that was 
Mike Conley's return home. He had 27, 6 and 8, 8 for 16 shooting, 7 of 10 from 3. You know, he's he's been playing really well. Um, then game four, it was only a seven-point loss. And Ja was like, yo, I will play 43 minutes. And I just, I just love that so much. I just love a star, a young star being like, no, my team needs me out there. I will play all those minutes. And, you know, he went one for seven from three. Not great. He's going to, I truly believe he's going to get better at that. The interesting thing with Dylan Brooks, who takes a lot of threes, he only took one. I don't know what, I don't know what happened there. He should have been taking more threes. Um, he had 21 points. Jaron Jackson looked all right. Um, you know, he still doesn't look like himself, but he looked all right. Uh, Kyle Anderson, he didn't give them anything. It's been a good, it's been a good competitive 1-8 series. I'll say that. And Dennis, I mean, not Dennis, Donovan, he looks pretty good. I don't think he's been shooting it that well. Uh, yeah, he's, he hasn't been shooting it that well. But the thing I like about him this year is, is that he's improved as a playmaker and as someone who can get to the line, you know, not consistently, but more than what he used to. And you just have to get easy points. And, you know, he, in that game, he got to the line 13 times. He's a good free throw shooter. You know, he made 12 out of 13. So, you know, he's, he's, he, looks, he looks like he's Donovan Mitchell again. Um, they're still not playing their guys big minutes. Like, I'm looking at their minutes. I think no one played more than 34 minutes. What about game three? Let me just check real quick. Game three, yeah, only, yeah, I guess 37, 35. That's pretty good, I guess. It's not a lot. So I I wonder if Quinn Snyder is going to be like Bud, where he's just like, I don't play my guys like 40 minutes, even if I need to. So I do wonder if he's, I I do wonder if we're ever going to see Rudy and Mike play 40 minutes. I, I, I just wonder about them. Um, there's not really much to say about this series. You know, I've been, I've been shocked by how good Memphis has looked against them. Uh, I've been really impressed with Ja. I've been impressed with Dylan Brooks. Um, I do, like, I said the Clippers Jazz would be a monster, but I do worry about just the, the Jazz and their perimeter defense. Like, Royce O'Neal's a fine defender. Boyan's okay. Ingles is okay. So I just wonder if they're going to have enough for Kawhi and Paul George. I do wonder about that. But, you know, Quinn Snyder is a great coach. He's a good defensive coach, and they have a rim protector. So we'll see. And on the other hand, like, you know, the Clippers are going to have two guys, three guys to put on Donovan Mitchell and, like, really make it tough. What other series? Oh, yeah, Portland... (laughs) Portland, Denver, it just ended 147-140. Nuggets go up 3-2. Damian, Damian Lillard put up a 55-6-10. One steal, three blocks. 17 for 24. 12 of 17 from three. You know, only one turnover. He was a monster. He played 51 minutes. Uh, on the other hand, Monty Morris came off the bench 28-3-5. Uh, got to the line 11 times, but it was a lot of, like, end-of-game stuff. Uh, you know, Big Honey, 38, 11, 9, 4 blocks, 14 for 31. Not great, but, like, it's still good. He was a monster. 
And at the end of the game, Dame drove. He passed it to Robert Covington, who actually had a pretty good game. 19 and 11, 5 of 10, but it should have been 6 for 10. He missed a wide-open dunk. That wasn't great. Uh, Jokic fouled out Nurkic in 24 minutes. That's pretty funny. He also, Covington also fouled out. CJ also fouled out. So, you know, they're just working them. Jokic was too big for them. And uh, CJ also had a play at the end of the game where he stepped out of bounds. And it was like two feet out of bounds. Like, it was insane how far out of bounds he was. Uh, Like, it was weird. I don't know why Dame at the end of the second, uh, the the last overtime, he passed it up like three straight times. He passed it up for Robert Covington, which is like, I don't mind that play at all because it was a wide open layup. So you do have to, like, that's a fine one. But the second one where he passed it to CJ, I don't understand that one at all. I did not understand that one. He should have kept that one and gone to the rim for like an easy layup. Um, and at the end of the game, they give it got to CJ instead of Dame. Um, it seemed like Dame was just like, oh, okay, whatever, we're down so much now. I did all I fucking could do, and you guys didn't help me. You know, neither team can stop the other one. And um, Michael Porter finally had a good game after, like, being pretty non-existent in the last three games. He had a good first game, and after that it was like, he was just another guy out there. Even tonight, he only took 13 shots. He just made a bunch of them. It, so it doesn't seem like they're trusting him with pick and rolls and stuff like that. And running many plays for him. It's, it's a lot of like dribble, dribble handoffs and uh, spotting up and shit like that. But he had a good game. 26, 12, and 3. Not bad at all. Uh, it was interesting. They didn't put Aaron Gordon on Damian Lillard. I thought that would be something after game 2 that they would be doing a lot more. You know, Austin Austin Rivers got most of that responsibility. And, you know, Damien, Dame missed one three, and Austin just, like, prayed to the heavens, like, thank you, my Lord, thank you, please. Um, so that series is just, you know, knockout punch after knockout punch. That's been a lot of fun. Dame and, Dame and Jokic, their numbers are going to look insane when the series is done. That's kind of, That's one of the... Best fun series to like pad your stats in. Um, what other series is going on? I talked about that. Talked about. I talked about Utah and Memphis. I talked about Phoenix and the Lakers. I talked about Clippers, Dallas, and now Denver, Portland. All right, so I guess I'll just spend a couple minutes on. Actually, I, probably not even a couple minutes. Probably just a little bit on Nets, Celtics. I'm I'm so I'm impressed by the Celtics just by how hard they fought in this series and how they just didn't give up. Instead aside from game two, all these games were watchable and I, I didn't think they would be watchable. Game one it was competitive until like the fourth quarter. Game three they won. Game four, even though they were down big, they played hard and it looked like it looked fine to watch. Tatum was big again. Um I, there was a play that real, like the Nets were going to win this game anyways, but there was a play in the fourth, I believe, where James Harden drove, he elbowed Evan Fournier, and it got called an offensive foul because he elbowed Evan Fournier. And they reviewed it, and he got overturned. And I was like, what the fuck? Like, the Nets really need all this? 
I think those refs should be put on blast. Like, I don't know what the fuck they were looking at. That was fucking insane. That's an offensive foul, and they called a blocking foul on Evan Fournier and turned into a three-point play. So that's three points right there. Then Tatum comes down. He makes a floater. He gets hit on the head. They don't call anything. They don't call anything. So, like, if you really look at it and it turned, like, let's say that offense foul, which was an offensive foul, stood, and Tatum came down and made that floater, it would have been like a six-point game. Instead, it's like a 12-point game. It was so dumb. Like, the refereeing, especially in Game 3 when KD trucked over Marcus Smart and they reviewed it, and they were like, no, no, it's actually, no, no, Marcus Smart, he, he got in KD's way. That's what happened there. It's so insane. Like, I, I really hope the Bucks net series isn't like that, where they just give the Nets all the superstar calls. Aside from that, you know, the Nets look good. They're running a lot of... This is like the perfect James Harden team where he's got the ball all the time and he's just got KD coming off pin downs. He's got Kyrie coming off pin downs. He's setting screens for Kyrie. Setting, like he'll set those dribble handouts for KD and Kyrie. He's got Joe Harris spotting up. He's got a big man in Nick Claxton. He can do whatever, you know, like the Clint Capella type stuff with. And when uh, he comes in with the bench he's got just shooters out there and like i said claxton so it's just the james harden show again and i wonder i really wonder what if they make the finals i wonder who's going to be the finals mvp i think if i'm james i'm going for the finals mvp i need that katie's already got two and i feel like with how much james handles the ball it probably will be him because with Steph and KD, Steph didn't really handle the ball that much. He was more like an off-ball, make the game easier for everyone with how much I'm going to move around type player. James is a, no, I need the ball every single possession. I'm creating every single thing for this team type player. So I, I wonder who's going to get the finals MVP. If I'm making a bet, I would probably guess on James Harden. Uh, they're going to, they're probably going to win the finals if they beat the Bucks. Whoever wins that series is going to win the finals. Um, so, yeah. Thank you for listening, everyone. This one's much shorter than the last one. I'm going to do a... Actually, I don't know. I don't, I don't want to put anything out there yet. Uh, yeah, thank you for listening, everyone.
Stay. 